Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve Podcast, where the sexaholic or sex addict can find experience, strength, and hope from those that have traveled this road ahead of us. This episode is produced in the spirit of the 12th step to carry the message to other sexaholics. Every effort has been made to remove full names of the speakers in these recordings. This is done in order to follow the 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and film. This podcast is self-supporting through contributions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to support The Daily Reprieve, please do so by going to GoFundMe.com, search for The Daily Reprieve, and click on Donate Now. Without further ado, please enjoy today's Daily Reprieve. I'm Bruno. I'm a sexaholic. Sober since June 1st, 2012. And so grateful to be here. Um, I was able to catch most of the session previously, in the previous hour. Really appreciate the shares and the lead. And um, so as a sexaholic, I am uh, identifying myself as one of God's special kids and um, in need of uh, uh, lots of help along the way. And I have been... um, uh, a part of SA for, uh, I believe, eight, eight and a half years. So I had a two years of sobriety um, after first getting into SA, which was um, the longest stretch of sobriety that I had previous to that. And um, uh, then I lost my sobriety, and I do want to talk about kind of that experience and what I learned from that experience. Um, as the most um, focused of my talk. Um, but I do want to share a couple of things about myself. Um, I am uh, do live in the Milwaukee area, part of the Milwaukee uh, SA Fellowship, I, uh, which is in uh, Wisconsin for all of any internationals. I'm a little north of uh, Chicago. Um, my, I've got three children, three adult children, uh, five grandchildren, and my oldest son uh, is a member of SA. He's a sexaholic. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I put that out there because I just wanted to, um, you know, if, if anybody else has a similar situation uh, where a child is, is uh, of yours, uh, maybe an addict or in recovery, uh, if that's ever something that you'd like to, you know, reach out to me and I'm open to discussing that and sharing about that uh, experience. Um, feel free to get a hold of uh, Harvey or Dennis and, and they can give you my uh, telephone number and you're welcome to get in touch with me about that. Um, one other experience with my children is my youngest son um, doesn't, uh, I'm close to my son that's in SA. We're, we're very close to him and his family. Matter of fact, they just left an hour ago after spending five days with us, which was a real gift. Uh, but my youngest son um, lives in another state, and he does not communicate with us. He cut off communication with uh, my wife and myself about five years ago, and the only communications we've had with him has been very limited, only through my son and my daughter. Um, and he doesn't return calls or return texts or emails or anything like that. So. 
I talked about that a few times with members in SA over the years, and and um, I was a little bit um, uh, surprised to know that it's not that uncommon of an experience. And a number of other people in recovery have that same experience where an adult child has cut off communication with them. Uh, so I just put that out there as well in case that's something that is a part of your experience and you'd like to um, you know, talk about that. I think it would be helpful for me to, to talk about it one-on-one with any of you that have that experience as well. You're welcome to get in touch with me. So just wanted to put that out there. Um, my first, my first essay, now I've got six and a half years of sobriety, yay. But um, kind of put that in perspective. In my first meeting, my first essay meeting I attended in, um, um, I believe it was November of 1992, many, many years ago. Um, only attended a few meetings and then uh, um, decided just not, uh, well, I guess my addiction decided that just wasn't for me um, and stayed away from any kind of ass recovery. After that, uh, of course, my disease progressed. Um, some of the forms of acting out have included um, uh, uh, fantasy, pornography, masturbation, phone sex, um, some voyeurism. And I um, then about eight years later, uh, decided to get back involved with uh, S Recovery. I did attend another S Fellowship for many, many years. Um, got relief. Once, once I started going to that, I was able to go a couple of days, maybe a week, a couple of weeks, um, and get the gift of sobriety. So I knew there was something there, something helpful in attending us recovery meetings. Um, and uh, But I wasn't able to receive kind of real longer-term sobriety uh, in that other fellowship. Um, I went a couple of months. I actually, I think the longest period of time was 18 months of, of sobriety. Um, after a while, decided to move away from there and into a church support group, church-based support group, and did that for um, a couple of years. But just you know, keep going back to the addiction, having that compulsion, having that that double life, having the the the, um, the experience of being you know one person that I really wanted to be, kind of that nice guy, that projecting of myself to be a good guy um, in public with other people, good family guy, good husband, good church going guy. Um, but then just being a different person altogether when it comes to that uh, secret private life, when I had some time alone and, um, you know, toying with it, toying with lust, uh, and then eventually just acting out, you know, just it's, it's such a powerful force. Um, that, um, you know, without recovery, I'm, I'm, you know, deep recovery, I'm destined to act out. I, I, there's no choice in that experience. So um, I knew I needed to, to get some serious help. And um, the thing, I wasn't caught when I got in, involved with SA, um, but I tell you what did catch me was thinking that, okay, well, I'm getting away with this. You know, I'm looking at pornography, I'm acting out, masturbating, I got fantasy going on. Um, um, but what am I gaining from that? So let's say I'm a 90, 90 years old. Let's say I'm at the end of my life and I'm looking back and is there a prize that I get for kind of being able to get away with it? Um, you know, having, having everything my way, get, getting, thinking that other people think I'm a nice guy and a good guy. 
being able to enjoy my addiction and acting out when I'm in private. Um, and I thought to myself, gosh, I, I, that scares the heck out of me to think that I'm going to live this life having left it unlived because I know there's so much more that's there. Just that deep feeling that there's so much more that there. I feel so disconnected and people don't really know me and the addiction, you know, any good things that came my way, I was not able to, um, receive. I wasn't able to internalize any compliments that would come my way. Uh, there was always that little voice inside my set in my head that said, you know, if they really knew me, if they really knew how I behaved when I was by myself, when I was um, uh, alone, what was really going through my head, they wouldn't really be saying those things about me and they wouldn't love me. So that's a very lonely, um, demoralizing place to be. So that really scared me. And so I, I said, I really need to take the plunge. I, I, I got in a new essay was hardcore, quote unquote, hardcore whatever that means. Uh, and I knew it was, you know, it, they don't mess around in essay. That was my understanding of essay at the time. And um, so I started going to essay meetings and I started getting a, a, going to a counselor, a sex addiction counselor. And I knew he was hardcore. You know, he, does, he doesn't mess around and kind of uh, worked with him for a while, which was very helpful um, to understand uh, Shane and recovery from that. Um, and I got a sponsor and I progressed and was doing very well. I had sponsees actually was doing service work. Um, and about uh, two years into that sobriety, about six and a half years ago, um, I started looking at pornography again. And I did this for, I think, about a month, maybe a couple of months. I, every once in a while, I'd pull out my phone and I'd look at pornography, but I didn't masturbate. So I was rationalizing that. Well, I'm not really losing my sobriety because that's a big thing, right? <clears throat> my sobriety dates and, you know, having that uh, amount of sobriety and being a sponsor and, and you know, hanging everything on that. Um, not not hanging everything on God, but just hanging everything on to, you know, what I've been able to achieve as uh, in recovery. But eventually that led it to um, acting out and masturbating and, and eventually coming to realize I needed to start over. Uh, so I gave up my sponsors, my sponsees, I should say, very difficult, gave up my service position. That's treasurer of the home group, my home group, and um, started over. And I did a, a postmortem, kind of an autopsy on my relapse um, to really understand what was going on so I could learn from that experience. And one of the things that uh, became clear to me was that I was giving my spiritual life and my prayer and meditation time short change was short changing myself with with that um so as i you know got complacent in my uh, sobriety and my recovery i was um letting days go by maybe one day go by without prayer and meditation um kind of getting up and and, and running off uh, into the day to do my activities and my to-do list and uh just not really connecting with God. In fact, you know, I, I think I thought to myself, well, it's good enough if I just think about God or say a quick prayer in the car on the way to work, or if I hang around other spiritual people, let me hang around, you know, and, and um, in, in recovery with other long-term sobriety people and, you know, whatever they have were kind of, I didn't, wasn't consciously thinking about this, but it was that thing that, uh, um, 
you know, I can get by, by osmosis uh, what I need uh, from other people, from my sponsees, you know, if I'm a sponsor and they're uh, looking to me for guidance and advice, gosh, I must, must have my stuff together. Um, but I really didn't. I was really disconnected and getting disconnected by not uh, doing my prayer and meditation time and having that conscious contact with God. So I, I recommitted myself to my prayer time and, and the meditation. Um, what I, I actually wasn't doing too much meditation before my, my relapse, but I started doing more of it afterwards to really find out what was, what was going on there. That's what I want to talk about mostly uh, today is my step two experience. And I want to go into it a little bit more detail so um, you can understand what it was like for me. I do want to up, up front also say that, you know, my share today may sound clear and steady and, and there might, you know, there's going to be a beginning, a middle and an end, and it's all going to be, you know, very nicely presented. Uh, understand that that's not how life, how any of this unfolded, uh, you know, any of this that I'm talking about in my experience in the past uh, is filled with cloudiness. It's filled with un, 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 insecurity with, being unsure of what the next step was and what was beyond the, 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 the void, what was beyond the, the next step. Um, you know, so I can, I can only really kind of um, <clears throat> string all these things together into some kind of coherent way story, you know, in hindsight, but understanding that uh, none of this, and even life today, you know, there, there's always things to work on, always some cloud, some, fuzziness about, um, you know, where, what direction I should be heading and what's the next thing to do. And that's just part of life. So um, what I did was try to understand why it's so uncomfortable for me to sit quietly with myself and ultimately with God. And so I did that. I said, okay, you know what? Most of the time when I sit down and quiet, uh, it's easy for me to do the readings and do my prayers and, and my memorized prayers and the recovery prayers. You know, that's all kind of act, action oriented. But what about just sitting quietly and being? And I mean, there's been so many times in my life when I've tried to do that. And I just literally kind of want to bolt out of my chair and just just move into doing something, uh, moving on with my day and, 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 and starting to accomplish and do things and not just being. Um, you know, present and not just being a person and quiet. Um, and so that was instructed for me. Okay, so okay, I feel really uncomfortable with myself. I feel really uncomfortable with this experience of just being quiet and um, seeing what what's there, what's what, what's running through my heart, what's running through my mind. Um, so I started uh, kind of looking at it a little bit more objectively and, and being patient with myself. And I recognize I really desire to, to kind of get up and get with my day and, and, and accomplish things at work. And, and I was thinking, okay, well, I'm, I want to do things. That's great. Well, why, why do I feel this strong urge to, to run into that? Why can't I just sit quietly for a little bit? Well, because if I don't get this stuff done, then I'm going to get behind and I'm going to look vulnerable. I'm going to look foolish. Um, I'm going to be maybe judged by other people, like codependency there. So, okay, I got some codependency going on. I've got some fear of other people and situations, uh, fear of failure going on. 
that's great. Good information for me to have. So I guess what I'm doing is I'm talking through how important it is for me not to shame my experience, my thoughts, my emotions, whatever's coming up. I need to be real and honest. And, and, um, and that's what I did. So I just sat through that and like, okay, what's behind that? Well, there's a lot of shame, ocean of shame, really. That's there. Um, this, I'm not good enough unless I can show other people that I can achieve and I can do and I can accomplish and I can have a whole list of things that I can pull out of my pocket and show people why I'm a good person. So it's very, very important for me for other people to think I'm a nice guy and a good person. Um, a real strong theme throughout my life. Um, okay, so there's that going on. Uh, what else is there? Well. I hate that experience. I hate being so dependent on other people. So there's a lot of anger there, not only for that, but other things as well. Not only anger, but rage. I can really understand, you know, get in touch with um, a, a deep level of, of rage, um, bitterness, resentment, uh, a lot of fear, kind of all these storms, all these kind of waves churning, churning inside of myself. Uh, so as much as I like to think of myself as this calm, nice guy on the surface and the outside, really on the inside, there's all these storms that are just brewing and roiling about. Um, so it's okay, well, that's, there's that and there's that experience and kind of really just sitting in that, being patient with myself and that experience and eventually going down deeper and deeper and deeper and, and until I fell through all that and, broke into this void, this uh, void of blackness. Um, and I was there. I could see myself, and I could see myself looking around into the nothingness. Except uh, it wasn't completely empty and very distant. Um, I could see, in the very distant, I could see some light. And I recognized uh, God. I could see God over there. And I could see God with his children. And I could see the God's family there. And, um, but I wasn't there. I was very distant, um, in the, in the darkness, looking from the outside, looking in. And that, um, really struck me quite dramatically because, uh, I've been a religious guy in my whole life. I, um, uh, fell away from a belief in God uh, as a teenager, but had a very strong conversion experience when I was uh, 19 years old. And that was very uh, significant, really impactful, and I, I became, um, you know, a uh, very religious person after that, attending church every week and being involved with church and and, and all of that. Um, but, of course, still not sober, still not able to um, have the true blessings of, um, you know, having a relationship with my higher power, having a relationship with God. And I, it was very important for me to go through that meditation exercise to understand why that was, why the, why the disconnect between what I believed in my head, my theology, my understanding, and what was going on in my, my heart, but not but even more importantly, what was going on in my gut. At the gut level, where, was, where were things uh, not connecting and, and falling apart? So at that point, once I understood you know, my, my, uh, that challenge, that distance, that very common, very, very common experience of being the outside looking in, never feeling a part of. I've always had that growing up as, uh, with my family. You know, I was the special one. I was the outside kid. There was something kind of unique about me. Uh, I had that experience at school with uh, any kind of community groups, my church, even my family. 
um, you know, um, having that sense of separation and disconnect. <clears throat> but at that moment, as I was meditating on that, I recognized that I had a choice. And even though it didn't feel right, and even though it didn't feel natural, I knew I could choose to step into God's circle. So at that moment, I chose to do that on a very conscious uh, um, level to step into the light. Um, and um, that made all the difference for me um, because I set aside, I recognized, you know, working the steps and working step four through seven, especially how that shame, how that, I don't know, low self-esteem really had a, the core of that was pride and ego. There was nothing stopping me. I could see there was nothing stopping me except myself and my own limits I put on myself in terms of connecting with God. So um, that was very important for me to um, recognize that I had that choice and I could step into that. And that's where my step two work came into uh, play as I better understood what was going on because that was my relationship with my father. We talk about in step two, we talk about, you know, who are the powerful, influential people as we're growing up, both good and bad, and how we know as human beings that that so influences how we perceive God. And we kind of put those experiences from our childhood, and I put those experiences from my childhood onto my relationship with God, and that's it's 100% what it was. It was always trying to seek out my uh, dad's approval. My dad was very harsh, um, uh, very abusive um, person, and um, uh, always felt like I could never be good enough for him and always desperately wanting uh, his love and his attention but not getting it. Uh, he was focused on other things. Um, I remember just a real quick story as a teenager, um, maybe a young teenager, uh, my dad had done something or said something, accused me of something that I didn't do. Uh, I pleaded my case with him, told him that wasn't right. Um, and then he, a little bit later, he called me into the living room and he said, you know, I, I just want to apologize. I'm sorry that I said that to you. And I actually forget exactly what it was. But the fact that he apologized to me just stunned me. I went upstairs in the bathroom and I cried for a half hour straight. Um, where it was just so impactful that he would actually, um, you know, be vulnerable, be humble enough uh, with me at that moment uh, just to receive, acknowledge my experience in, my, uh, kind of, uh, in a real deep way. So I was just one example of how desperately I, I was seeking that out, but not being able to get that. And that's the way it was. And that from what I understand now with my relationship with God. Um, so, all this to say is how important the the steps are and working the steps. Um, you know, when I first got into recovery, there was, you know, give me four different books, give me two of the AA books, give me the um, step into action, give me the white book, uh, lots of reading, lots of assignments, lots of answering questions, writing out the essay, writing out the first step. Um, I used to joke that, um, you know, I know now the strategy of, uh, of uh, this recovery program is really to keep me so busy with recovery that I don't have time, have time to act out, um, uh, which is, to a certain extent is true, I think. Um, and so, <clears throat> but there's a, a method to the madness. There's, there's, 
you know, how the steps, from what I understand, from my experience, how the steps are laid out. There's, uh, there's, it, 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 um, it makes sense and it works. Um, and um, particularly, you know, the, the step two to really understand my history, um, really understand the blocks that are there because, this is God. This is my creator. This is, this is the person who, the, the entity that knows me best of, um, of everyone. And, um, you know, what, what's keeping me from that power and from that love. And, and so that's been very important for me. I've continued my meditation, prayer meditation time on a daily basis since then. That's made all the difference. I, I, um, as Margaret was saying, you know, if I'm, kind of running into the day without that, I, it just feels different. Um, it makes, it, I don't necessarily have this mountaintop experience every time I pray, pray and meditate, just to kind of understand that. Like most of the time I'm feeling about the same I, after my prayer meditation time as I did before. But I'll tell you, if I'm kind of looking back in the day, I can tell the difference between, you know, a, a really good connection with God in that morning versus uh, when I'm shortchanging that and I'm cutting that short and I'm running off. Uh, it makes such a difference in my attitude towards myself and towards others. Um, so I can't, um, I can't talk about that enough, how important that is. That, that, I call it my God hug. You know, that, that's just a, I'm this little kid when it comes to my relationship with God. Um, I'm like my two-year-olds, grandkids. You know, they, they just... They just want attention. They want, they just need that um, validation and affirmation um, from mommy or daddy to be able just to have the confidence to try something new and to, and to go into new experiences. And that's what I need. Um, I need that, um, that connection. So I think, I think I'm over, I don't know. I think I've shared enough. I'm going to, I'm going to close close out now. Is that enough time? Is I did I overtalk? No, you did great. Thank you so okay. much. All right, uh, and uh, I have to tell you, we hit 103 people on this call just now. Uh, that's an absolute miracle. I think that is a new, uh, if we call a record, whatever. But it's certainly an unbelievable opportunity, um, and we're very very grateful for you being here, Bruno. Uh, I'm going to unmute everybody. Please, uh, everyone, mute yourself as necessary. Uh, give you 10 seconds or three seconds to be ready, because uh, when I unmute you, the noise might be a little bit deafening, but let's try our best here. All right. And so I'm going to open up the call to somebody with at least 30 days of sobriety. Who would like to be our first share today? Party this Jay, Miguel. Sure. Uh, Miguel and then Jay. Go ahead, Miguel. Okay, Bruno, um, I cannot tell you how much I relate to your share, and um, my story is your story, um, or your story is my story, I guess, or I just, almost everything that you said, especially the um, being on the outside, I, I felt on the outside of a very close family, a very close and loving family, uh, friends and peers in high school, college, the work institutions, et cetera always almost have always felt on the outside um, was very intrigued at your discovery um, as you did your work uh, of that kind of dark place and then looking and seeing on seeing kind of the light and but like still seeing yourself in the dark 
And, uh, yeah, just um, maybe if you would be able to expand, my question would be if you're able to expand any more on taking that choice or, or making that choice of stepping into God's circle and what that meant to you, how that played out, et cetera. So any, any way that you're able to expand on that, I appreciate it, and I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Miguel. Can you, can you hear me, Harvey? Yes, we can. Okay. Um, I, I want to say that it's still a very uncomfortable experience for me to consciously make that decision to step into God's presence. Um, uh, that experience that you and I share of, of being that outsider, for me, one of my biggest character defects is playing the role of the victim and um, self-pity. And uh, so, you know, I lose that. <laughs> I lose that when I'm in God's presence. So, dang it. Um, you know, these, these character defects are are uh, just very powerful and they feel very comfortable and um, very familiar. So, um, it is something I have to continuously choose to do. And I, I have to understand that even if, I, even if I'm not feeling it, even if I feel uncomfortable, that that's okay. Feelings are not reality. Feelings are good, you know, they're good kind of general markers and, and pointers as to what's going on inside, but uh, they, don't, they don't define, they're imperfect. They're primitive and they're imperfect ways of, of really uh, trying to get a grasp on reality. So I, I don't, I, I got to be careful about not shaming. Bruno, we seem to have lost you. Okay. Um, I don't know whether uh, whether Jay had a question or just wanted to comment. If you want to comment, maybe you could do that. Uh, if you want a question, he's not. I don't. I don't know if he can answer you right now. I actually didn't know it was a question. Can I just share? Yeah, please go ahead. Thank you. Okay, Jay from New Jersey. Um, I, I enjoyed this year so much. I actually never heard someone describe that uncomfortable feeling so well and how he actually went to, how Bruno actually went to the depth and found it, like what it is. And I thought to myself, he's absolutely right. It's such a fear of what's going to be with me. I, I have to prove to everyone that I'm going to be successful. And by actually um, not sitting five minutes a day and meditating, I'm going to be more successful. And that's what I tell myself. And um, just amazing to hear it and so on. And, and like you said, it doesn't sound like it, it went away so fast. And it sounds like it's constant progress. And I just wanted to share, I related to that 100%. That's my, that's my biggest yep. struggle in life. Thanks, Logan, sir. Okay. Thank you. And, and I I'm think Bruno, Bruno has returned. Bruno. Yeah, yes, I thank got you. My, my yeah, no, I don't know what happened. Here. Okay. Um, who would like to be our last share with at least 30 days of sobriety? This is Joseph. Jim in Florida. Joseph and then Jim. Go ahead, Joseph. Yeah, thanks, Harvey. Uh, thanks for share, Bruno. Uh, it's good for me. I was identifying with some of it. Uh, first off, I like to lead with my weakness. My weakness is saying triggers I'm going to have to say. Any thoughts of fantasy? Any thoughts of etheric recall? Any thoughts of half measuring, surrendered and God in the group. 
one my big MO is just object to find women some sort and then that to the guy in, in the group also. I was uh, identifying with your uh, uh, idea of taking action to do uh, spiritual things uh, to uh, um, start off the day so you're on a good uh, page. And I do that also. I uh, I do a ritual praying in the morning. I read the Dern seven-step prayer. I pray on my knees. Um, you know, I do a little meditating, read the daily meditation book, and uh, that starts me off on a good page. Good way to go through the day. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I wonder if you could expand a little bit on what you do spiritually through, through the day that... Uh, Helps keep you sober. Um, uh, just um, working the program during the day is um, the most helpful for me. You know, being in touch with my sponsor on a weekly basis, um, getting to my meetings, um, working the steps. So um, I don't. Ha- I don't pray during the day very much. Um, I think that could be very helpful. I know people do that throughout the day. Um, but, um, my most of my prayer and meditation time is spent in the morning. Um, when I do my readings and, um, my prayer time, um, but gosh, never, never to do enough with, uh, connecting with God throughout the day for sure. I pray at night as well. That helps me sleep better. Yes. Okay. Um, who was who was next? Uh, oh boy, somebody. Jim in Florida. Oh, there you go, Jim in Florida. Thank you, sir. Thanks, I appreciate it. Um, just want to thank the speaker and identified with a lot of the things that you said. Um, I too am powerless over lust. I desire sobriety and recovery today. It's not easy to obtain, but um, if I want it and work it, I can uh, achieve it. Uh, all left hits to me are toxic. Danger zones for me today include um, having lustful thoughts, lusting after people in public, lusting after images of people, and using lust to soothe myself from any strong emotion or difficulty. Um, for these reasons, I'm turning my life and loyal over to God. He's the one who keeps me sober, not me. Um, and with that, I will uh, pass back. I don't have any questions for the speaker, but thank you. All right, who'd like to be our next chair? Hey, this is John. Hey, I'm John. Major. John? Jonathan? Go ahead, John. Yeah. Thanks. And then I think, and then Cindy, I think I heard Cindy or Angie. I can't, couldn't catch which one, but one of you. I was Angie. Okay, Jonathan, then Angie. Thank you. All right. Hey, thanks, Bruno. I really appreciated uh, your share. Um, and I identified a lot with uh, what you said at the beginning about um, being in program and, and just kind of that feeling of um, not wanting to give up uh, your sobriety date and, and kind of flirting the line of, of uh, kind of edging behavior and, and not really wanting to admit uh, how dangerous it was. Um, I got into a program about three years ago um, and been a chronic relapser 
um, until about <clears throat> three months ago, um, I, I just had a conviction to get honest. And it was the first time um, that I made that decision for myself as opposed to um, being caught and having to fess up. Um, and it was a very difficult uh, decision, um, but I prayed for willingness and uh, that started me on, uh, so far, the best recovery journey of my life. Um, I did have another relapse a month later, and so I only have, at this point, about two months of, require, uh, of recovery. Um, but it had to start for me with, with rigorous honesty with myself um, and then with others. And then um, as, I, as I've kind of been in, in some actual real recovery, um, I finally experienced um, what other people have been telling me, you know, about, you know, these symptoms of withdrawal. Um, I, I kept saying, oh, well, yeah, sure, I guess some people go through that. Well, I guess you do if you actually do uh, stop using the acting out behavior. You really do go through withdrawal symptoms. Um, but I appreciated your share because I am definitely struggling with character defects right now. And I'm just wondering if you might have any thoughts on uh, how to bring about um, healing in a marriage, um, even, um, even as uh, you work to, um, you work on your, your character de- defects and surrendering those um, uh, because I, my time's up, but I found that those uh, are, causing almost as much, if not more, damage than uh, my acting out behavior. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Bruno here, and sexaholic, and, uh, you know, being so close to my wife, um, <clears throat> living with her on a daily basis, uh, boy, she's, you know, um, the prime target for um, so many of my character defects um, that, um uh, you know, things things get triggered. Uh, she'll do and say things, um, and because of my own condition, uh, my character defects get triggered inside, and and so there you go. There's there's more opportunities for growth right there. Um, I find that you know, just I'm, I'm always kind of kind of get back to that relationship with my higher power, my relationship with God, um, because the more secure. Um, and loved, and the more I, I, I'm connecting with that power, knowing that, knowing that God's got my back, that's a really important phrase for me that I've adopted in the past six and a half years. God's got my back. I never believed that in the past. But uh, today I know I remind myself about that on a regular basis. God's got my back. It's okay. It's going to be okay. So that kind of, re, um, like everything in the program and in life, if I can reassure myself about that and connect with God and with those truth, with that truth, and review my truth list, um, uh, that helps me to be more humble with my wife, uh, more open with her, um, more forgiving, quick, more quickly forgiving, you know, uh, not hanging on to and accepting. And that's the big thing is accepting her wherever she's at. Um, and so with that, I pass. All right. Thank you. Angie, go ahead. I think, thanks, Harvey, and thanks, everyone, for being here today. Uh, Bruno, um I just was thinking about prior to your talk when you were talking about uh, sharing the fellowship with uh, your children, particularly your son. Um, I'm a mother of four boys. Uh, my oldest is 24. I've been married for 31 years and been in program for three and a half. And um, just as of recently, um, my second son, who is 22, has 
uh, started making some morning calls. And I do a lot of phone calls. And so I'm like, okay, this is, they know I'm in recovery. They don't know which uh, program. But anyway, long story short, I was fearful that we might end up on a phone call sometime together. And so I told him my truth. Um, actually, it was at the beginning of his holiday break from school. And he was very open and loving and very receptive. Um, we, I was very fortunate. I felt, um, you know, I didn't give any detail. I just told him that this is where I'm at. And I know that from SA conventions I've gone to and SA teens talk, they are always so thankful to hear their parents. And, and it helps them to understand maybe why they have some of the character defects that they do or some of the struggles. Um, I think for me, um, right after I got into recovery, I was a little bit in denial. Well, it's probably a lot in denial about thinking, okay, I'm in recovery now. My family is going to be great. Um, you know, we're on this new path. I'm living my amends every day. And and uh, lo and behold, you know, as the boys grow and develop and um, run into their own life sufferings, you know what? They're just like me. And what I'm thankful for is to, uh, first of all, thanks for all the people that's gone ahead of me to help, but moreover to let for me to accept that I know that they have their own path. But I know at the beginning of the call, you said that you would uh, be willing to reach out and talk more about that with uh, family members, especially children. And I would definitely be interested in having that uh, communication with you if you would accept that. Sure. And um, if you just get in touch with uh, Dennis T or Harvey, if I'm sure you've got their contact information, then they're welcome. I, you know, Ask them to uh, pass along my uh, phone number, my email address, and I'd be happy to um, talk to you about that. Thank you so much. God bless, Bruno. Thanks for being here. All right. At, at this point, we do like to ask if there are any newcomers to uh, to the program, to our phone meeting, who would like to op- have the opportunity to share. Is anybody like to do that right now? This is Michael. Sure. This is Russell. Hi, my name's from Nathan. Erie, Pennsylvania. Uh, I heard Michael in New Hampshire, and then I heard Russell in Erie, Pennsylvania. Why don't you guys go next? Michael first. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so my name is Michael, and I was had my had my hand on the buzzer there, <laughs> and I feel a little bit embarrassed about that. But I guess you know part of part of me feels like yeah, there, like there is like I'm sort of an addict for recovery in a way right now. I feel like you know hearing Bruno speak really galvanized me, um, you know, four days and, you know, had a really rough patch with having a real rough patch with this uh, woman in my life and, or this woman who's not really in my life, but who I want, who I long for. And um, I, you know, there's, there's a part of me that's like, okay, like, okay, like I can, I can, I can fix this. I can get this. I can make this better. Uh, Bruno, Bruno's got this great story to tell. And it sounds like the kind of story I want to be telling and, and, and I, you know, and so there's a lot of hope for me. And at the same time, uh, it's like, I, I don't know, like, I know the things I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to get a sponsor. I'm supposed to be on meetings. And, and, and yet there's all this impatience, right? There's like this impatience, like, I got to get it now. I got to do it right. I got to make it work perfectly. I can't, I can't have, I can't, I can't mess up. I can't, 
you know, and, um, and I'm just, you know, and there's a part of me that's like, no, you know, it's, it's good. It's enough that I'm here on the call and I got to hear Bruno speak and then I'm, you know, I'm showing up to phone calls every day and, and, and that, 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 that ought to be enough. So, so yeah, I guess I'm relating to this sort of this addict for recovery and like, how do, how does one, how do you calm that? How do you have patience in your recovery and how do you trust that it's working even when, you know, maybe you're having a bad day or maybe you're not making it to the phone call or maybe you're not, you have a lot of resistance to, to getting a sponsor, which I have a lot of resistance to. And, um, and like, how do you know you're on the right path and, 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 and what do you do each day to make sure you're on the right path? And, and like, I want you, I, I would love to get your information and, and really as many people's information as possible. So, so Two that's, minutes. I think that's it. Thank you. Yep. I'm, I'm done. Um, Bruno, do you have, think you have to respond to that? Um, no, but I'm, I'm more than welcome to receive, uh, <clears throat> you know, calls and uh, we can, we can continue the conversation. Sure. But I'll, I'll pass it along to the next uh, person. All right. So we're moving to Russell and Erie. Yes. Yes, Harvey. I appreciate what you had shared. That was incredible. And um, the best thing that I can say is that uh, when you fall off the horse, you just get back on as soon as possible, which was you did incredibly. And um, one thing that I learned is not to criticize myself. Just get back on the horse, you know, just go forward and, you know, no more negatives, what I say to myself. So that was very uh, 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 inspiring to hear. So actually, that's really it. So I appreciate it. Thank you very much again, sir, for sharing. Thanks, Harvey. Okay, thank you. We have a few minutes more for shares. Who would like to be the next share? Hi, this is Solomon, Ohio. I heard Just Ray and I think Shalom in Ohio. So why don't we hear Just Ray and then Shalom. Actually, uh, due to time, I will uh, yield the floor to Shalom in Ohio. Okay. All right. Thank you. Shalom, go ahead. Hi, thank you. Um, yeah, thank you, Bruno, for your share. I've always been inspired by you, especially since I met you before the sim. Um, and I appreciate your message. I related a lot with your story. Um, and especially with, with, with the father part, if my father ever apologizes to me, it might be on his deathbed, but like, I can only imagine it would be an extremely emotional experience for me because he never apologized for anything. I never heard him say, I'm sorry, in my entire life. Um, so I definitely relate with that. Um, appreciate your um, advice about, you know, um, meditation. I, I just recently started thinking about, I should probably do that more often. I meditate, I feel more relaxed, I have an easier day. I'm surrendering everything. I didn't get the results in his hands. And that helps me have much more serenity. And um, it's my way of... Uh, Things over and coming. Right, thank you very much. I'll pass. All right, we have time for one more share. Who would like to be that last share this is, for this session? This is this is Paul. Hi, Paul. Go for it. Yeah, Bernard's question. Uh, he didn't talk about it, but uh, how, how did you get to the point of surrender? Um. <clears throat> 
don't know, just let it, you know, let the disease kick my butt around the block a number of years, I guess. Um, um, I don't know. There's, there's some, the part of it is God, you know, pulling me along and taking and, and lifting me up. Um, but, but there's, it doesn't happen unless there's uh, some choices, some basic choices on my part to be willing. And sometimes if I'm not willing, am I willing to be willing? And sometimes I'm not, I'm not willing to be willing, but am I willing to be willing to be willing? And I'll go back as many generations of that willing as I can, as I need to, to get to a place that's okay, I'm 10 willings out. And I think at this point I'm willing. There's a little foothold for God. There's a little bit um, of willingness for God to take and to grow from there. Um, and that's, uh, that's obviously a day-to-day journey, but... Um, I don't know. Hopefully that's helpful to you. And with that, I guess. Thanks. I appreciate it. All right. Actually, we do have another minute or so. Does anybody want to share before we close up? Hi, my name is Nathan from Alabama. I'd like to share. Go ahead, Nathan. Hey, I really relate to what you said about believing one thing in your head and then believing another thing in your heart and in your actions through the day because I've been I've been religious my whole life I've done the God thing a lot and now like if someone said yeah I've given my life to Christ I'd be like yeah I've done that yeah I've done that but then but then I come to find out later that I actually haven't so I guess and I, I even I would, even if like years ago I still would if someone had asked me, hey, Nathan, are you powerless over this uh, porn addiction? I would have said, yeah, yeah, I am. But what my actions still showed, like, throughout my day that I was still trying to be in control. I, I guess I'm just wanting to get that out there, and I'm kind of I'm kind of wondering what to do about that and how do I get my heart to match my head better because I just know that my uh, capacity to delude myself is basically endless. So I'm just kind of stuck. Um, this is Bruno here, sexaholic. Thank you for sharing. Um, one thing I suggest to my sponsees is to um, sit quietly with God. You know, do the prayers, do the meditation, do the um, obviously step work and the readings, but also just spend time in quiet. Um, some people call it meditation. Some people just call it quiet time with God. Some people call it quiet time with higher power. What, whatever that is, just quiet and sit quietly. And then whatever comes up, I find is very instructive, very helpful to understand where I'm at. Where's my head at? Where's my heart at? And then to bring that to God. Say, okay, this is what's going on, God. Um, This is me. Um, And um, I try to be authentic with God about my experience. You know, if there's something that I'm real excited about and I'm real obsessed about, a video game that I'm playing, uh, some uh, financial reports at work that are real positive and I can just show that I'm, a good guy because I, I, I'm, I'm doing all those great things and great things are happening. I, I bring that to God. I say, God, look at this. Look at this awesome monthly financial report I got at work. And it, boy, that shows what a great fundraiser I am and what, what a great job I'm doing. I, I just, you know, just get real with God is, is so important for me. Um, and I, God's bigger than, than, than my experience, my thoughts, my character defects. And he'll, he'll point out where pride is. Um, he'll help me understand where the, ego is um and he'll give me the gift of humility as i need it but uh you know i want to bring all myself to god that's why i love the 
seventh step prayer, you know, good and bad, you know, bringing all of me to God. Um, and with that, I passed. All right. Thank you, everybody. And thank you again, Bruno, for your shares uh, and for answering the questions. Um, we run out of time. We do, should, we do want to remember our seventh tradition, which states we have no dues or fees. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. Please visit www.sa.org to make a donation or to get further information about SA. And if you would like to donate on behalf of this meeting, you could put into the uh, little uh, message there, space that says noon SA phone meeting on the description line so that they know that you are using this system, uh, like the 102 other of you did it today. Uh, finally, I would like to ask, Bruno, if you would give us the uh, honor of uh, giving us a moment of silence followed by that seven-step prayer, I think uh, that would make a lot of sense. And we'll pray. My creator, I'm not willing that you shall have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character, which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. I will be done, not mine. Amen. All right. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Uh, we're going to take a small recess uh, before uh, we have uh, Kent as our next speaker. Um, so thank you again, everybody, for being here. Uh, absolutely amazing uh, session and an amazing uh, population. Great group. And um, a lot of new people, it seems. Uh, and I'm very excited for that. I hope everybody will come back uh, and uh, be part of our uh, regular meetings. Our Monday meeting is always a uh, speaker meeting. We have over 90 shares that have been recorded over the time that we've been uh, recording them. and. Uh, that's a wonderful opportunity. We also have a WhatsApp group, which has over 100, 100 and I don't know how many people, but lots of people there. I think it's over 140, if I'm not mistaken, but let's see. Uh, we are presently at 146 participants in our WhatsApp group, um, so it's uh, really quite a wonderful opportunity for us to continue the wonderful fellowship that we are really honored and privileged to have that God has given us in this, uh, in this, in this fellowship. 24/7, um, you can connect. You know, different time zones. People are always available. Middle of the night, you can find, reach out to somebody if they're in Europe or in Israel or India, Thailand, Nepal, Australia. We are all over the map, and uh, it's really a wonderful opportunity to have that uh, connection and to be able to continue the fa the family that we have here. Um, if anybody has any questions, uh, quickly we can try to answer them and uh, we'll just take a break. <laughs>